All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the Parkinson's Association of San Diego Microcast Series. I'm your host, Jeff Seckendorf, here today with Lisa Tataran. Hey, Lisa. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Lisa is a biofeedback practitioner, neurofeedback and biofeedback, right? Correct. So we're going to talk about those two things as they relate to people with Parkinson's. So Lisa, let's start out with like, like who, like these are short podcasts. So you only have a minute or two to do this, but who are you? What's your background? How'd you get into this? Tell us your 30 minute story in like 45 seconds. Sure. So I'm actually the daughter of a parent who had a movement disorder and she went through many years of trying to get a diagnosis and treatment. And it wasn't until she um, tried biofeedback that she got relief. And so she had something called oral mandibular dystonia, which is locking the jaw. And once they put sensors on the muscles that were tight, she was able to relax them. And I had just started my degree in neuroscience when going to school. And I was learning about how the brain and the muscles and everything is in control of each other. And I was going to a lot of her Parkinson's and movement support group meetings and learned about deep brain stimulator. And they're talking about how the brain is electrical and we can change the way the brain works by putting electrodes in the brain. And I just learned about neurofeedback, which is EEG biofeedback. And I asked the neurosurgeon that was talking about DBS, at what point in time can we see what's on the surface of the brain, what you're doing below? And he said, you can see everything on the surface. And I said, well, can we try neurofeedback? And he said, yes. And at that point, I opened a clinic, started doing neurofeedback for movement disorders, and it took off. So let's talk about this in two different things. What are the, the physical attachments, contraption things that you use? And then we'll get into the um, benefits and results. So what, if, what's it look like if a person with Parkinson's walks into your office and you're going to hook them up? So I start always with a baseline measure. So I use something called a quantitative EEG or a QEG, and it's a brain map. And it's just a cap that fits snugly on the head. And it has 20 sensors and I fill the sensors with a little bit of gel and it makes contact with the brain. And then we record the brain for 20 minutes, eyes open, eyes closed. And I take that data and then I put it into a machine learning algorithm to figure out where the circuits are offline and what I need to do to fine tune the brain. But there's also other types of biofeedback that I work on. There's something called heart rate variability biofeedback. There's breath training. There's muscle biofeedback. You can do body temperature biofeedback, which is really important for Parkinson's because there are a lot of autonomic issues with Parkinson's that we can address with biofeedback. Those tools also can be used at home. So you don't necessarily always need to do everything in my office. I give you tools to use at home and I teach you how to use them so you have access to them all the time. And then after I get the brain map, we find the targets that we know that are published for Parkinson's for EEG markers. We target them twice a week using sensors that you put on the brain and you just locate them in the brain. I show them to you as feedback. So you can see, let's say the beta spindles of Parkinson's that they, tr they target with DBS. You can see them in your own EEG and the neurofeedback provides you either as a game or music or anything that you choose so that you can learn to stop or increase a certain brain wave. So it's completely non-invasive. You're just wearing the cap and nobody's cutting holes in your head like in DBS or anything like that. Correct. And that's the easy part. I do all the heavy lifting. I figure out where I need to attach the sensors. You just have to sit in the chair and respond to the feedback. And it's quite easy and it's very effective. And are you responding to questions or are you trying to do like mental exercises during the course of the session? So a lot of times when I'm trying to target certain um, uh, symptoms, let's say someone wants to have 
um, better cognition or they want to have better recall or they want to decrease their tremors. Um, I focus on helping them be calm and relaxed. So a calm focus or an alert focus. And there's a lot of also drowsiness in people with Parkinson's. So we give feedback to when they start to drift off and get a little sleepy. And so the feedback stops or they alert them to a different function. Um, for tremors, I put an accelerometer on and they can actually watch their tremors on their wrist as well as in their brain. And then they can learn to decrease it. So through this therapy or whatever best word to describe it is, you can actually get your brain to control your body more astutely. Is that a way to look at it? Exactly. You take back control over things you wouldn't normally have control over. So there's sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So is that part of this whole process, working with the parasympathetic nervous system? Absolutely. So when you turn down the volume of the fight or flight, and you teach the brain and the body to be relaxed, a lot of other systems come online. You will sleep better. You're less reactive to your emotions. You have more energy through the daytime. So yeah, you're turning the volume down on the fight or flight. And so what, what is the longevity of a session? Is this something that wears off? I mean, are there benefits that can be long-term or is it benefits for a day? Uh, you know, what happens after the sessions? So a lot of that depends on your lifestyle as well, but if you're eating and exercising properly, the benefits last a lot longer. Um, what happens is we start to train a circuit and it needs to be reinforced. So you do two sessions per week. And in about two to three weeks, you start to see it becoming more adaptable. Your, your tremors becoming less, your handwriting's improving, um, your freezing of gait is not as, um, doesn't happen as often, basically. And what happens is the brain holds on to that pattern. Sometimes you backslide, you know, there's a stressor in your life, anything can kind of set it off, and then you just get a booster session. Typically, when I work with someone, usually it takes about 20 to 30 sessions, and then it, it sticks. And then they do booster sessions once a year. I did have someone that I worked with consecutively. And um, after 40 sessions, they didn't come back for a booster until five years later. So this works in concert with what the movement disorder specialists are doing medically, right? This doesn't replace taking oral dopamine or DBS. This is something you can do on top of it. Exactly. It's completely complementary. So a lot of complaints that people have with Parkinson's that aren't addressed with medication, let's say apathy, can be addressed with neurofeedback. So there is an apathy marker in the brain, and it's a specific area that I can put my sensor on, ask the, ask the brain to boost it up or um, rejoin this, the other circuitry. And so that's a, lo a lot of problems that doctors can't manage. There's also, um, let's think, the freezing of gait also is difficult for to be managed with medication, and that can be addressed with neurofeedback as well. So you're asking, when you say you're asking the brain, are you giving your patients or clients a, like a specific tool or a mental tool to work with to overcome freezing of gait? Like, like often when somebody's frozen, you know, the doctors will say, imagine you're stepping over a log or some, there'll, there'll be some visual uh, reference to get people moving again. So do you have tools like that that you use for people? So they, when they experience this, they have something to do? So there is, um, and it just came out in research this week, auditory training that you can do, binaural beats that you can stick in your ear that actually break you out of a freezing episode. But with neurofeedback, there is an actual EEG marker, and it's been published for about 15 years, that contributes to freezing of gait. And you can put the sensor in the, it's in the premotor area, the front part of the brain, 
put the sensor there and you ask the brain to just reconnect. And when it does, freezing of gait begins to disappear. So this is an alternative treatment. Is there any um, coverage on insurance or anything like that? I have had some medical doctors write a medical referral for it. There is a CPT code for it. So it all depends on your insurance. So possibly. Possibly. That's really interesting. (laughs) It's really interesting. I had to run many, many years ago with a friend of mine who was exploring biofeedback. This was probably 30 years ago. Um, And as an athlete, she hooked these things up to my legs and I was able to move independently the tibia and fibia by being able to see the response on the biofeedback machine, or I think it was it was auto audio, so I could hear it, and I actually was able to get these bones, which are not generally moving by your brain, to move. It was really interesting. That's why it was so successful for my mother's dystonia, because you wouldn't have access to that muscle tension unless you actually put a sensor on it, and it really made a tremendous difference. Great. So, how do people reach you if they want to learn more about this? So I have an office in Encinitas and you're welcome to go to my website, thesmartpdprogram.com. And the reason why I call it Smart PD is because I do specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and timely protocols. (laughs) And you're also welcome to buy your own biofeedback equipment. And I have some listed on my website and I can coach you how to use them at home. All right. So I'll put all that in the show notes. And um, thanks for a look at biofeedback and neurofeedback for people with Parkinson's. We appreciate your time. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all on the next one. 